Well, hello there, y'all. It's Society B back for another edition of the ABW Show. And this week, we are going to talk about all things women empowerment that has to do with award season. Not just award season, but performance season, too. I mean, there are so many things that are going on right now. And of course, we all know that Q1 is handing out the awards left and right to all of the girlies. So I want to just acknowledge some things that happened and talk a little TV and film, of course, and then we'll get into the serious nitty gritty of something that happened with a man, of course. Ugh. But first, let's get into it. The Super Bowl. Ooh, that halftime show was done by was the in the vein of her late great friend, especially y'all men out there who were mad. Because I know there were men that were mad. And you know how I know that there were men that were mad? Because one want, 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 want Trump got together and actually started their friendship at uh, one of the Met Balls, I believe back in 2014 or 2015, when uh, they did China Through the Looking Glass. And they both basically just fell in love with each other and stayed and remained friends. They were always inspired by one another. And I think this was a fantastic tribute because Andre Leontali didn't really get the flowers that he deserved while he was here. Um, not necessarily from the black community, but the fashion community knows that he is top tier and always has been. But obviously he you know, came to not be at Vogue magazine anymore. And there was a bit of a falling out with his former boss. Um, or, <laughs> I was going to say Miranda Priestley. That is not her actual name. <laughs> it's actually Anna Wintour, and we knew that. And um, as many people in the fashion industry knows, Andre was definitely the vision to Anna Wintour's sunglasses. Uh, she didn't really know much about the fashion industry as in-depth, the heritage, um, the backstory, the history of it all, you know, different garments and styles and ages. Um, and he did. He studied that. He went to France. He went to Spain. He went to Paris. He traveled all over. He was great friends with Diana Vreeland. And it is bittersweet to uh, not only have Rihanna honor him like that on such a global stage but also she did this right when she started singing umbrella because andre leon tally team then posted on instagram on his page the exact lyrics from umbrella when we shine we gonna shine together told you i was always gonna be your friend stick it out till the end and i love that that was such a beautiful tribute not only did Rihanna rock that beautiful replica of that coat, that coat, the actual original red puffer coat that was owned by Andre Leon Talley, wound up going up for auction just a few days later, the day after Valentine's Day, at Christie's. Yes, Christie's auctioned off the entirety of Andre Leon Talley's estate and the red puffer coat that he so famously wore time and time again and was photographed in many times sold for $25,200. Everybody wanted this coat, including me. I definitely put in four bids. Obviously, I was outbid. 
but whoever won it, I hope that you wear it, keep it, and store it well, and it does not get snatched from you anytime soon. <laughs> so to all of the people that were up early for the auction, went in person, kudos, congratulations if you were able to get anything. The bidding was going extremely fast at one point. You could barely get... <laughs> you, meaning me, I could barely get a bid in online before it was gone and it was up by, you know, maybe $3,000 in seconds. So if you've ever uh, wanted to go to an auction or, you know, see what that part of life is like, you're more than welcome to sign up for a Christie's account. They will verify you and you are welcome to take a look. It is quite fascinating. Um, I want to make note that there were um, three pieces in that auction that actually went for incredibly, incredibly high prices and as they should have. Two of them were Andy Warhol paintings that he had. Um, both paintings each sold for $95,000. And then also his uh, vintage Louis Vuitton case that had his initials ALT on them that he actually holds in the Sex and the City movie, the original one, sold for $44,000. All the proceeds went to uh, Abyssinian Baptist Church, which is in Harlem, and also his home church uh, in North Carolina. The total sales from the entire auction, which were both private sale and also the Christie's live auction online, totaled $1.3 million. So that is a really good amount of money to go to such great and wonderful churches. Um, if you don't know too much about Andre Leon Talley, definitely pick up his book in the Chiffon Trenches. The cover photo, that actual portrait was also up for auction and that sold as well. Okay, so moving right along, this is where I'm going to go and it's the Grammys. I know it happened several weeks ago and this is old news, but I'm still going to go ahead and do what I absolutely need to do and that is give the flowers and shout out the amazing and incredibly talented Viola Davis and congratulate her on her win at the Grammy Awards, making her the 18th person to become an EGOT. You guys, this is a rare moment. It is very hard to get an EGOT. And even though it seems like people are winning them all the time, John Legend is an EGOT, so is Jennifer Hudson. Yes. Viola um, Davis is one of the rare EGOTs who has received it through performance only. She has not received her EGOT status uh, by being a producer on anything or being what we call below the line or behind the scenes on anything. She has become an EGOT having all performance-based wins. This woman is just incredibly talented. She is being seen and honored for her work. And not for nothing, I am very proud and honored that Viola is a chocolate girl. This is a dark-skinned woman who is winning these awards and is being up for it because in this business, that is a big challenge. It is something that you have to fight against, not just being a Black woman, but being a dark-skinned Black woman. And I am just so glad that she is getting the flowers, getting the recognition, and I want her to continue to do so. So in case you were wondering how Viola made it to be the 18th person in history to achieve the very coveted EGOT status, I will give it to you right now. Here's the rundown. Viola won her first Tony Award back in 2001 uh, when she was in King Hedley II. 
And then she received her second Tony when she was in the Broadway revival, Offenses. She then, after that, in 2015, became the first person of color, which, you know, uh, she became the first person to win an Emmy for Best Lead Actress in a Drama uh, for her role on How to Get Away with Murder. And the reason why I'm saying she is the first person to do that, she is the first person of color, male or female or otherwise, to win an Emmy for that. That um, is only preceded by her later following up the fact that she won Best Supporting Actress for the Oscar in the Cinematic Adaptation Offenses. And what happened there is that she reprised her role in the play version of Fences and brought it to the screen and became the Oscar winner there. Uh, It is also uh, great to note that that also does not happen that often where one person has played the role on Broadway, then has been able to play that same role in the movie because a lot of times they do recast the roles going from theater to film, but she was able to obviously keep that role because it was perfect for her and still age appropriate for her. And not only for her to do that, but also to win the Oscar for the same role is remarkable. And that is quite rare. I feel like maybe only one or two other people have ever done that or ever been able to do that. So that is an achievement in itself. Um, And when I'm saying like it is an achievement in itself and it's very rare for that to happen, if you take a look at them working on the color purple now, obviously the color purple movie was not the same as the stage show because they happened so far apart. But now anybody who has seen the stage show with any of those casts, most of the people that were cast in the stage show are not going to be in the film playing in the same roles except for... Fantasia. Fantasia is reprising her role as Celie in The Color Purple in the film version, and she also played on Broadway as well. However, she did not win a Tony for that, so even if she does win an Oscar for The Color Purple in this new film version, she will not be one of the people that I'm explaining right now, which is what Viola Davis has done. Anyways, um, so there we have her... (laughs) So there we have her Emmy, her Oscar, and her Tony. And what wrapped it up at this year's Grammys was she won the Grammy Award for for narrating the autobook of her memoir, Finding Me. This is a very popular way of actually receiving a Grammy Award if you are an actor, is by reading your own audiobook. I believe that Whoopi Goldberg has also won this award this way. So there you have it. That is the rundown of how Viola has become uh, EGOT status. I'm very proud of her. And I have to just say, there are a few other ones. Obviously, I mentioned before that Jennifer Hudson is also an EGOT. So is John Legend. But the very first Black woman to win an EGOT or to achieve EGOT status is one Whoopi Goldberg. Now, let's take a minute to talk about Whoopi Goldberg and actually how dope she really is because I feel like people do not give her the respect and the honor that she really deserves. But Sis has got the credits. She's got the resume. She has done so much. So let's talk about it for just one second. 
Whoopi Goldberg has received two Academy Award nominations, one for The Color Purple and one for Ghost. She won in Ghost. That is how she got her Oscar. She is also the first African-American actor, period, to actually be nominated for an Oscar in both both the Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress categories. We all know that that is not an easy thing to do, okay? Not an easy thing to do. I mean, we see how many times we're actually nominated. for uh, So for us to be nominated as both Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress is amazing. Anyways, she uh, has won a Grammy Award for a Best Comedy Recording, which is her show called Whoopi Goldberg, direct from Broadway. And she is only the second solo woman performer, like not a part of a duo, not a part of a team, the second solo performer to receive this award and the first African-American woman to do so as a solo performer. I mean, talk about setting goals and standards and records. She also is one of only three women to have ever won that award, period. So there's that. Moving on to the Tony, she won her Tony Award in 2002 as a producer on the Broadway musical Thoroughly Modern Millie. Now, this is what I was explaining where the difference is between Viola Davis winning for all of her performances and somebody winning because they are producer on something. Being a producer, you can either have a heavy hand or a light hand, but either way, you were there and you did the work, so it does count. And moving on to the last one in 2007, obviously we all know that she has been the co-host and moderator of The View, and that is where she has won her Emmy Award. Not only has she won the EGOT status, she has also, let me point out, also won a BAFTA Award, which obviously is like the British Oscars, and they don't be giving us awards all the time. Let me just say, like, we be showing up to the awards, and they don't really be handing them out to, you know, Americans a lot. So she definitely has also been able to do that, which is really great. Um, Her BAFTA award, actually, that she won was also for her role in Ghost of playing Otome Brown. So she actually has won multiple times for that role, which I think is pretty amazing. In addition to these awards, um, Whoopi Goldberg has also been a recipient of a Drama Desk Award, which for a one-person show, which is like a high honor. She's won People's Choice Awards, American Comedy Awards, Kids' Choice Awards, and she is the first African-American female to receive the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, which is not easy to do as well. So she really is out here like setting the pace (laughs) in the standard for a lot of us. And I think Whoopi is an incredible example of... If you just do the things you love, stay committed, um, be true to yourself, you can get there. You can do all the things you want to do. And I'm sure she was never even thinking that, you know, I want to win a BAFTA. I want to win an Oscar. She was just doing the work that spoke to her. And she really brought those characters to life, whether it was through her comedy, her like, you know, whether it was through her humor or her vulnerability she definitely shines through every time she gets on stage. And with that, we're going to move over to the TV and film segment. 
you know I got to talk about my black films and you know the one I'm going to talk about since we are already discussing the great and fantastic Whoopi Goldberg. I would like to point out and discuss one TV show that she is actually starring in right now in season two. It's called Harlem and it's on Amazon Prime. And if you don't know about it, get in here and let me catch you up on it. Okay, Harlem is basically a black sex in the city set in now times. I mean, basically it's what and just like that thinks it's trying to do, but isn't. Harlem is brought to us from the creative mind of one Tracy Oliver. And yes, you do know who Tracy Oliver is. Tracy has brought us Girls Trip. She also wrote Barbershop The Next Cut. And also a little known TV show from back in the day that was like an online thing that kind of became like a sensation called The Misadventures of of an Awkward Black Girl that starred who? Issa Rae? Oh my gosh, yes. She was definitely a writer on that. She was also an actress in that. She was a stuck-up girl. And she moved on to do Survivor's Remorse, First Wives Club, obviously the aforementioned Girls Trip, and now she's working on Harlem. Harlem is centered around four good girlfriends that are headed up by the, I guess, centralized character, uh, Camille, who is played by the beautiful Megan Good, who is friends with three other fantastic women, who are basically just trying to live their lives while mishaps, love, relationships, and crises happen all around them. Harlem premiered on Amazon Prime Video back in 2000, uh, back in 2021, and it was renewed, but it was renewed in 2022. But because of COVID and scheduling and timing and everything, it took them a little while to make season two, as with so many other series that we are seeing that are finally coming back for second and third seasons. Shout out to Grand Crew, by the way, that it premiered on February 3rd of this year and is picking right back up where the ladies left off in season one. The story is centered around Camille, who is played by Megan Good, one of her very rich and well-to-do designer friends, Grace Byers. There is her I Want to Be a Star, I Gotta Make It, super talented sex pot, Angie, who is played by Shonika Shanday. And then there is Ty, who is the lesbian app creator and on her way to be millionaire, who is getting derailed by a personal problem played by Jerry Johnson. The rest of the cast is filled with beautiful and interesting people as well, in addition to Whoopi Goldberg and Jasmine Guy, and also Rick Fox shows up in there too. So definitely catch it if you have not seen it yet. It is a great binge. And also, I want to go ahead and spotlight the costume designer that is on Harlem, Her name is Deidre Govan, and she has been in the styling and costume design game for, I believe, 30 years. And Sis is on point. I mean, I love everything that she's doing with this. It is bringing forth so much of each character's personality. It's authentic. It feels very grounded in the culture of Harlem, the culture of New York, the culture of young, black women who are on the go, up and coming, well-to-do. It is just fantastic. It is beautiful. Every episode, I'm like, I need to get that. 
I need to buy that. Where can I get this from? She definitely features a lot of black designers, which I really appreciate. And she just makes it just look so effortless that these people are perfectly dressed to their personality. And I love her. So shout out to her. And I wish that I could have Deirdre Govan dress me every day. I mean, girl, come over. Let's look in my closet. Tell me what I need to keep. Tell me what I need to buy. Let's talk. Oh, I love it. Anyways, back to the explanation of this show. The show is very, very cute. Megan Good's character, Camille, actually works as a university professor. Basically has, you know, a man that she left, a fine man, by the way. She has a fine man that she left on the sidewalk one day and was like, no, I can't come with you to go and follow your dreams and be in love with you. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to follow my career and do my own thing. Turns out that that was not exactly what she wanted because when we start this series, that man is coming back right on into her life to further complicate things and he's got a fiance but that's all I'm going to say about that y'all gonna have to finish watching that storyline because it is juicy it is great it is good and there are people taking their clothes off and doing sexy things to each other and I love it I love this cast of characters I love the way that the series is written and I am so excited that they are releasing the episodes they release four episodes uh, at the premiere this year, uh, at the premiere of season two this year. So you can kind of binge a little bit. Then they release two more. They're going to release two more. And then they're going to release two more, which is like one of those, oh my gosh, hurry up, hurry up. I can't wait for the next episode to come out. That I am very much and so into this show and love the characters and the way that they are written, that I am willing to wait to see what's happening in this journey, to see where these people are going, who's going to end up with who, and girl, how'd you wind up in that bed? That's what I want to know. And if you know, you know. And if you know, we need to talk about it. But anyways, I'm not going to spoil any more of this show. It is fantastic. You guys have got to check it out. It is on Amazon Prime. It is streaming now. I believe at this point there are probably six episodes out but there might be eight now but it doesn't even matter if you haven't even seen it start with season one binge it and catch up to the rest of us okay (laughs) and now that we are still talking about tv and film you know i have to circle back to my girl viola i mean yes i know i just told y'all that she won an egot but let's get in to sis's resume okay because she's got some good ones and some of those films have been up for a lot of awards and all of that including the woman king that is finally out on hbo max i'm gonna need y'all to go see it if you have not seen it please do anyways let's get into miss viola davis one egot viola davis excuse me one egot viola davis's resume so I first knew about Viola Davis when she obviously popped up in Antoine Fisher as Antoine's mother who was uh, despondent and addicted to drugs and things like that. And she said very little in that role, but her performance was performing. You hear me? It was performing. But there are a few things that she did before that where I didn't realize it was her until I went back and watched them. Mainly this movie called Knights in Rodanthe. And she actually plays the friend in this movie. And it wasn't until I went back and watched it a little while later that I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even remember that Viola Davis was in this movie. Because, of course, 
when we think somebody is an overnight sensation where they go from something like Antoine Fisher to get on up to doubt to widows to, you know, how to get away with murder to the help to fences to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom to the Woman King. We think that's just an overnight success. And it's like, oh, she just got on. No, 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 no. Viola has been doing the damn thing for a long, long time. She was in the Life is Not a Fairy Tale, the Fantasia Barino story. If anybody remembers that or even has seen it, I didn't see it, but I saw it on a resume and I was like, oh, dang, I probably should have watched that. Then I would have known. She was in City of Angels. She was also in a movie called Custody, a movie called Air, Peacemaker. She was also in Medea Goes to Jail, which I probably should have watched that too because I didn't even know that she was in that. This is the first time I'm realizing that she was in that movie. Did y'all see that? Did anybody see it? Did they know what she played? Oh my God. What? I'm going to have to go back and watch it now. But this is what I'm saying. All this overnight success is never overnight. People are always working. They are always booking jobs, booking roles, big and small, until they finally are recognized by bigger people, bigger platforms, bigger things. I mean... After Antoine Fisher, she was in Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts, even though she had a small role. She then went on to do Lila and Eve, which I'm not sure a whole bunch of people saw. But then Get On Up wound up being something that people saw a little bit more of. And that was obviously the jumping off point for Chadwick Boseman to star in a lot of and actually numerous biopics that um, they had him do. Um, which is interesting, and we'll talk about that another time. But um, from there, she did Law Abiding Citizen, The Unforgivable. Um, She wound up doing just so many things. Her resume crosses over from comedy to rom-coms to suspense to adventure to crime to just the surreal to the powerful, the deadly, all of it, even to the first lady. That's all I got to say. Anyways, that is going to wrap up the TV and film segment. Let's shift over into Valentine's Day because that definitely happened while we've been apart. And I hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Mine was um, fantastic, actually. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel any of those things. I've gotten to a place where, you know, it could be just another day or it could be a day of love. And I choose for it to be a day of love. And that is celebrating myself. But that is not what I wanted to talk about. I wonder if anybody has noticed that um, this past uh, February 14th, it did not seem that many celebrities were going above and beyond to show what they were doing, what they were buying, what they were receiving for Valentine's Day. Now, yes, there were some people that did put this out, but... For some reason, I didn't see this year the explosion of everyone posting where they were going to dinner, what their outfit was, what their, you know, sex-loved-in hotel room was looking like, where they were going to, you know, make whoopee with their partner. And I'm wondering if that trend is starting to die out a little bit. I know it's super popular amongst us non-celebrity people uh, who are just like you and me, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, passe for the celebrities to be doing that now because, you know, all of us regular gen pop people are now doing it. It's quite interesting. Unfortunately, I I did see one where 
um, a young guy did do this for a girl that he was seeing or his girlfriend at the time. And she was like, yeah, uh, I know you flew me out here. You got me this hotel. You did all this. You got these gifts. And yeah, I am in my phone with other dudes because, I mean, I like them better than I like you. I know that had to hurt because it hurt me to watch it. And baby... (laughs) You're not going to have me out here spending thousands and thousands of dollars to play me. And not for nothing, he did not have to put that part on the internet. He could have just let us think that that is what he did for his girlfriend. And it was a setup. And then that was it. But you know how we are. We always want a part two. We always want to follow up. We always want to know what's next. We give us a little more. It's like, you want more? I'll give you more. He unfortunately gave us more and it was not the ending that we were thinking. And the comments were basically on his side. I mean, listen, sometimes you catch one and they want to be thrown back. So I hope that he is recovering well, does not treat the next girl like garbage just because this happened. Things like this happen to all of us. You can't win them all. Move on, young buck. Anyways, I know that you have heard about the Chris Brown dust-up. I know. You're probably wondering which one am I talking about. Well, the one I'm talking about is when Chris Brown and former Cheetah Girl... Ooh, what's that girl's name? Keely. Yes. When Chris Brown uh, received a an unfriendly message <laughs> uh, by saying, oh yeah, you're using Chloe just to get, you know, more clout and sell more CDs and getting on these tours or whatever, but you did beat up Rihanna a long time ago. See how it's all tying in? See, we came right back to Rihanna. I mean, listen. But anyways, yes, we do know that this happened back when he was a teenager and when she was a teenager. And what I'm trying to find out now and what I want to know from you is, is it time for us to forgive Chris Brown for this? Rihanna has forgiven him. She's not only forgiven him, she's moved on. And this happened more than a decade ago. So are we going to continue to punish him for it and bring it up? Because Chris Brown was asking the same question and that's when he retaliated and responded to Keeley by saying, he's really tired of this. Why don't we talk about other celebrities that have had charges or accusations brought up against them, but they seem to be doing fine. Those allegations seem to get brushed to the side. They continue to work. Nobody really brings it up. It's not an issue. What are we doing here as a society? I mean, it seems that we are letting some still popular celebrities slide and um, we're not letting others Is it fair for us as a society to continue to kind of condemn Chris Brown and not see it for him and not support him anymore when plenty of people still support R. Kelly and not only still support him, still play his music, deny the allegations, even though there was video there? I think the same thing can be said about Dr. Dre. The incident between him and Dee Barnes that happened back on January 27th, 1991. For those that don't know, Dee Barnes is an MC and a journalist, and she also hosted a show called Pump It Up, which was a hip-hop show on Fox back in the day, episode where she interviewed Dr. Dre. And obviously, this is during the time of the beef between NWA and Ice Cube. There were comments that were apparently made on that show, or she played a clip during 
the segment where Ice Cube was on and they were talking about NWA that actually sparked this heinous assault from the retelling of what happened. Damages of over $10 million and claims that last January at a Los Angeles club, Dre assaulted her, grabbing her hair, slamming her face and body into a wall and kicking her in the ribs. Barnes's attorneys say that Dre was apparently upset that one of Barnes's producers inserted her interview with ex-NWA member Ice Cube into a Pump It Up show last winter featuring NWA. The group and Ice Cube have become mortal enemies since he left NWA two years ago. NWA's independent publicist Norman Winter says, quote, I know Dr. Dre is a gentle soul, the loving father of a baby boy. I can't imagine him treating any lady in anything but a gentlemanly fashion. For context, the other members of NWA did know about the incident that occurred, and they were interviewed by MTV shortly after, where MC Ren did not mince words. That's what she get. I hope she get it again. She got beat down. The person, the host of that show did something. She know what she did and got beat down, and I hope it happened again. See you around, buddy boy. Just for context... Dr. Dre was not a part of that interview because at the time, his then-girlfriend, singer Michelle was giving birth to their son. Even after the incident happened, uh, the police were called and there was a warrant that was issued for Dr. Dre's arrest, which he did respond to. He was charged with assault and battery, of course. Um, he ended up pleading no contest and that resulted in him basically just getting a $2,500 fine. And he received two years of probation with community service. Also, sidebar, Dr. Dre's girlfriend, Michelle, even though she was giving birth at the time, of, she also has accused Dr. Dre of many years of abuse and spoke about that either in the Lifetime story that she did of her life and also in the documentary Surviving Dre. In 2015, Dr. Dre penned an essay for the New York Times where he, in fact, did apologize to all of the women that he had hurt in the past. Dre noted that during that time of his life, he was drinking heavily and that he had no real structure in his life. Both Michelle and Dee Barnes did respond to the article after it came out. Barnes herself penned a response, and even though she said she was grateful for the apology, she questioned the timing of it as possibly being a PR stunt because Straight Outta Compton had just come out and it seemed like it was just a PR move. In Michelle's response to the article, she recalled being codependent to Dr. Dre back in the day and that's why she endured the six years of beatings that went on and basically blamed herself. She did agree with Dee Barnes that the apology came at a very opportune time and she also questioned the rapper's motives for doing so. She was quoted as saying, I didn't ask for a public apology, and I think if he's going to apologize, he should do it individually. To just group us like we're nothing and nobody, I just don't think it's sincere. Treat us like we have names. Dr. Dre has been able to move forward and go on, and now he's done Beats by Dre. He has produced many albums. He is the the mind and the support behind, you know, artists like Eminem and 50 Cent. And um, even just so recently, uh, when we just had the Grammys, he now has an award in his name. There is now a Hip Hop Pioneer Award <laughs> 
the Dr. Dre Global Impact Award. I already feel really bad for any woman that is going to be up for this award and potentially win it in the future because it's a little ridiculous, isn't it? But this is the same thing that we're saying about Chris Brown. Do we or should we forgive Dr. Dre and not Chris Brown? Can we? Have we? Or do we just forget about it because he gave us awesome headphones and, you know, musical artists who have given us bangers over the years and have been certified platinum and triple platinum and all of them diamond status? Or should we not let him live from that mistake? Where do we draw the line? When do we forgive people? How do we move forward? How can they atone for that? Are they atoning for just being better at their craft and putting their head down and focusing and never having another incident? Or are they atoning for giving us amazing headphones and, you know, all of these other great artists that they have brought under their tutelage? It, it's really weird. Are we leaning on the fact that because a lot of these instances happened so long ago that a lot of the young people that are around now either don't know or don't remember them happening, so we should just let it go? But because we all remember the Chris Brown incident with Rihanna, we can't let that go. But it's just kind of like, where do we draw the line? What do we do? This one is going to be a question for a long time. And I have to say, I in no way condone any kind of sexual assault or abuse towards women or men for that matter because there are men that are also abused and they are less likely to come forward they are less likely to be believed however i have known people who have been in sexual assault uh situations i've known people who have been in abusive situations i myself have been in an emotionally abusive relationship in the past so i'm bringing this up and just wanting to talk about it not to say that i'm blaming anybody i'm not victim blaming and i'm not saying that any of these men who have done these deeds should be getting off scot-free but if we are supposed to be forgiving and giving people second chances and all of this why can we not give some people second chances when we give others a hundred chances it's just something to think about and it's really tricky and nuanced and just complicated and complex and i wish we weren't even talking about it but that's kind of what happened in the news so here we are okay guys we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back with Cinderella syndrome. That's my friend. I got to take this. Just give me one second. Hello? Girl. Hey, you... Cece. I'm in the middle of taping my show right now. What's up? You know I'm just calling to give you the rundown on some of the stuff that I've heard in the streets in this past week. Okay, make it quick. What's up? Did you know that Debrat is pregnant? She's about to have a baby with her partner. I mean, she showed up on the Sherry Shepherd show the other day. And she was bled out, stomach pow, out to there. Sherry was excited. The whole audience was excited. I can't wait to see what they're going to have. Maybe I know everybody is caught up in reading The Spare by Harry, you know, Prince Harry. But what they really need to get into is his evil stepmother, Camilla. Oh my gosh, it's so funny you say because she's actually this week's Cinderella Syndrome. I'm going to get into that right now, so I got to call you back. Cinderella! Cinderella! Well, 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 another week has come to pass and another woman needs to be called onto the carpet. And this week, it's going to have to be the queen consort, 
Camilla Parker Bowles, or whatever her name is now. But we're just going to call her Camilla Parker Bowles because that's how we've always known her. Camilla, my darling, you have spent a lifetime trying to get into the good graces and pretty much the good trousers of one Prince Philip, now King Charles. And you've managed to do that by devious ways, let us just say, because we all know about the cheating scandals and tampon gate. And now that you have been able to secure your place in the castle, there's a little bit of a problem. With the coronation coming up soon, Charles and Camilla have decided that they are going to actually take one of the crowns that they already have in storage and repurpose it as them trying to be sustainable. The only problem with this is crown that they have chosen is a Queen Mary's crown, which has a very controversial diamond in it called the Kunura diamond that was set in it. So Camilla has decided that she is not going to wear that diamond because of all the controversy, but is instead going to have it reset with three diamonds named the Cullinan three, four, and five. These were a part of Queen Elizabeth's personal jewelry collection, but the bigger issue is that these diamonds were sourced, shall we say, from South Africa back in 1900s. And basically what happened is, is they unearthed one of the largest raw diamonds, rough diamonds ever in the world and had it broken down into about nine large pieces and about 60 plus other smaller stones. Sounds great, but most of those stones were then put in a scepter for King Edward And the other diamonds were then kept in the royal family as theirs. The three stones that are going to be set in Camilla's crown as the replacements are the Cullen 3, Cullen 4, and Cullen 5 diamonds. They weigh 94.4 carats, 63.6 carats, and 18.8 carats, respectively. These diamonds are ginormous. The controversy is that after Queen Elizabeth died last year, South Africa demanded to have the Cullen 1 returned to them, which is the largest of that group, which is a 530-carat diamond that is known as the Great Star of Africa. It's being displayed in a museum, and even though there are over 6,000 people who have signed a petition to have it returned, the official request has not even been acknowledged. This whole thing of having these controversial diamonds reset after another controversial diamond was removed from a crown is a bit ridiculous. And it plays right into, Camilla, your evil stepmother kind of role. You have had your PR team and the UK royals doing backflips, trying to get your image turned around after you've had scandal after scandal after scandal and where nobody really liked you. And now you're going to do something like this. So you're really going to go to the coronation in a few months with new controversial diamonds and are going to sit there and be like, yeah, we didn't return it and I'm using them in this crown and it's going to be my crown forever. Now, this is the reason why you're getting Cinderella syndrome is because you want everybody else to be around you helping you and doing all these things and you want everything to be your way while you're like, oh, I'm just so nice. I'm trying to, you're not a nice person. You're not lovely. You definitely don't like your stepchildren. It is super clear. And, you know, the feeling is mutual. They have said that they do not particularly care for you, especially Harry. He definitely said it in his book, Spare, that he is not a fan of yours. 
Camilla, after all the controversy that you've had surrounding your name and obviously your history and years with the royal family, I would think that you would take a back seat and not try to have any more fluff ups, especially now, especially now that you've gotten what you've always wanted, which is to be queen consort or queen of England. And now you're with the man that you truly love. There are hundreds of other crowns to choose from. There are plenty of other diamonds that are a part of the royal family that you can have that have less controversy. But you choose this. And quite frankly, it's trifling. You know it. I know it. And so does everybody else. But we're all going to be there to watch the coronation and watch what drab little outfits you're going to wear. And that's just going to be it. Because at the end of the day, you have won. But I'm hoping that in the end, karma will get you. I just don't know how it will. But for now, my dear, you are part of the Cinderella Syndrome collection. Well, y'all, that's our show. And we're going to go ahead and wrap up, but not before I can give you some awesome black wisdom. This week's quote comes from author, activist, poet, and just true badass, Maya Angelou. Maya has been quoted many times over as saying, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. As we close out today, that is a great note to end on. Obviously, the stories that we talked about today definitely have left the way those people have made someone else feel and had a resounding effect on them. You also should always remain cognizant and self-aware of how you want to be treated in the world and how you are treating others. So let's try to have a little more kindness in the next few weeks. So until next time, this has been the ABW Show. Tell somebody about us, like, share, and definitely leave comments about what we talked about today. And until next time, I'll see you soon. Bye. She's got a text text from our cars to a close to